Welcome to A Healthier You, Little by Little. This podcast gives you insights and features various aspects of health, from sleep and stress to immunity, exercise, home workouts, energy, and performance. Here is your host of A Healthier You, Little by Little, Cindy Little. Well, welcome back to A Healthier You. We have a special guest today. Alexandra Gio, I know that you're a disability activist with a passion for education and social entrepreneurship. You're a born leader with a driving devotion to help others, and you shine when given the opportunity to make a difference, which is so awesome, and especially in lives of young people. Now, I know that you're a young author. You just produced a book called Invisible Conversations, How to Use Communications to Support Those with Invisible Disabilities, and it was born from a desire to provide youth with these conditions and resources that you didn't have. So tell us a little bit about that, Alex. I'm really curious. Curious, like at the age of 22, you are my youngest guest, and you you obviously have something that you can share that is of importance to help young people out there that have an invisible disability. Tell us, tell us your story, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. So I've pretty recently taken on the new role of becoming a disability activist. And as you described, this was born out of my own desire to basically give other people the resources that I didn't have growing up. And so I'm 22 years old old now, but I've struggled with invisible disabilities from the age of six or seven. And so this has been a lifelong thing that as I've grown, I've had to learn how to manage my conditions while also just being a kid, being a teenager, and now becoming a young young adult through every sort of phase of life. And so this book is really my first opportunity to show my activism and share the advice that I have, but it's really just the first step. I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to share this with others, you know, on an individual and also a wider, you know, broader community aspect. So you, you, you're saying that this, your symptoms started when you were six or, or that you remember when you were six. So what was the first thing that you noticed, Alex? Yeah. So I was trying to be an active child. I didn't participate in many sports, but my mom and I would always go for our morning walks and we could walk two, three miles in a morning and, and we were always active and trying to get out there. But around six or seven, I started to notice that I felt a little bit of pain in my lower back. And so as a couple of weeks went by, it was a pretty sudden onset. And as it, and as I continued just for maybe about a month, it, the pain grew exponentially. I went from being able to walk two miles to not even be able to walk in my own house. And so this was something that growing up, I had no idea what it was. I could just tell my mom, my back is hurting. I'm in pain. And this was something that you know, for a long time, it wasn't apparent to me that other children didn't feel this way, that others didn't feel this pain. And I had such a difficult time describing it because this wasn't, this wasn't what was considered normal. This wasn't supposed to happen. And it just came out of nowhere. And that was when, you know, we started the doctor's appointments and really this diagnosis journey that would end up taking about 10 years. Wow. And so when you're, when you told your parents first off, like I'm putting myself in the parents' position here. Uh, so you would have been about in grade one or kindergarten mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Like that must've been so troublesome for your parents to like, and frustrating to, I can't not- imagine how my mom <laughs> yeah, would have felt being like, ah, 
I don't know what to do about this. This isn't right. Did she take you to a chiropractor or? I went to a chiropractor. I went to rheumatologists. Uh, I mean, I, all of the ologists, I don't think I could, I could have a full list, but Mm -hmm. we, we saw absolutely everybody and we saw them twice over three times over trying to figure out what it was. And unfortunately, as time passed, that pain started to spread in my body. I started to feel stomach aches and headaches and skin pain that felt like sunburn. And at a certain point, my joints started to be impacted. Again, it's over the course of of a number of years, but it was very frustrating to go along this path, consistently told, I don't know, or we don't know what to do for you. And I'm just getting worse. Wow. And so they finally came out with a diagnosis. What, what age were you diagnosed and what was the diagnosis, Alex? Yeah, I was diagnosed at 15 with amplified musculoskeletal pain syndrome, uh, also referred to as AMPS. And so this is a condition, this is a nerve condition in which very similarly to fibromyalgia, this is a condition that typically develops in kids and teenagers in which your nerves are overactive and kind of aren't sending the right signals to your brain. And so as the name describes amplified pain, there are signals going back and forth between the nerves in your body to your brain until it's almost like two megaphones speaking into one another where the volume keeps getting louder and louder. And you're feeling that pain for really no reason at all. You know, it's not even something that I need to trigger the pain. I could just be completely stationary and my brain gets a signal that something in me is hurting. Wow. And so when you get these signals, is there anything that brings it on or anything that you can do to relieve it? It's, I think it's very similar to how other people can relieve pain. You know, it's kind of like, like it's something hits you and you're like that, that doesn't feel right. That's not nice. (laughs) You know? So any sort of like, like kind of shifting, changing my position, trying to walk around ice, heat, massaging, whatever it could be very similar to what other people, you know, try to do to relieve their pain. But something that was unique to amps was that a lot of ibuprofens uh, didn't work for me. Any painkillers weren't really working for me. And and even in my treatment, it's not something that's really recommended. It's sort of this idea of pushing past the, the, the pain and rewiring your brain to say like, this isn't hurting. This shouldn't be hurting. It's kind of like retraining yourself. And so as much as I tried to relieve that pain, sometimes it would go away, but it's sort of that you just, you have to sit with it and deal with it and carry on. And what about, um, like, is there some kind of neuro treatment that you can do? Like acupuncture, acupuncture. Yeah. That that was, (laughs) that was certainly something that my mom and sister's like, you should try this. And I'm not a fan of needles. I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm that desperate yet. I should have (laughs) been, but, um, as of, as of right now, again, AMPS is a relatively new condition. Um, and I think it was named around 2001. So they're still doing research surrounding it and how to, how to treat children with it. But my treatment was actually intensive physical therapy. I joined what was supposed to be a six week inpatient program at the children's hospital of Philadelphia, in which for anywhere from about five to seven hours a day, I was doing hours of physical therapy, occupational therapy, Um, you know, and I would bounce back doing like two sessions a day of each, they would supplement it with, with psychotherapy and art therapy, music therapy, because it's very, you know, the point of this program is to teach children to push past the pain. And so it's a very physical and a very like mentally like intensive and draining process of that. 
you have to force yourself to be in pain. You at, at your baseline, you're already hurting, but through these exercises and through these therapies, you have to push yourself through more to subsequently rewire your brain into teaching itself that that isn't hurting. And so, you know, for many of these, including my, for many children and including myself, this was the most amount of pain that we had felt in our lifetimes. And we had already dealt with a lot, but it is, it is a very intense program, but I'm happy to say that it worked for me. You know, I'm still managing some symptoms and with it being a new condition, they're still figuring out what happens later down the road. I, I'm one of the oldest people that I know with AMPS. Uh, there are many others who are in middle school, you know, anywhere from like 10 to 15 year olds that are being recently diagnosed. And so I'm sort of also finding my own way around and figuring out uh, what's next for me and what's next for this condition. So is, is this just a childhood um, illness? That's what it seems to be. It, it certainly your ongoing stress and anxiety can kind of trigger this, this response in your brain. Uh, it can be an injury. I've met many people my age or, or younger who, you know, they were injured playing a sport or, you know, kids are kids. We run around and we, we fall and get hurt and, you know, and all of a sudden they're in more pain than they ever bargained for than it than ever occurred from the injury or some other really traumatic type of, of event. Uh, you know, if there's something really specific that has triggered PTSD in a child or any sort of trauma, it can also stem from that. So it's all over the place, but it does seem to be mostly in children. And, and to the point of, you know, this sounds very similar to fibromyalgia. It's this question of when do you call it AMPS? When do you call it fibromyalgia? They're still kind of determining the differences between them. And, you know, and especially because AMPS is really, you're going to see pediatric doctors. I'm beyond their realm now. <laughs> There's no one that I can really go to and see. Like I, I have, I have my doctor at CHOP in Philadelphia that I can, that I can ask and go to, but really I'm out of their jurisdiction at this, at this point. Well, the, uh, the six week study that, that they did on you, what was the result of that study? Like what, like, was there tangible information? Was there progress? Like it was at the point of it or was, were you a Guinea pig? Like what, what, tell me more about the six week study they did on you. Yeah. So this was a program that I certainly was not the first and definitely not the last to, to go through it. I am not sure for how long it was established for, but it was this pretty routine, you know, we've determined this program. We have these, these therapies set up for you. We've got therapists in place with this schedule. This is what we're going to do with you. And so some kids were able to be outpatient. Unfortunately, my insurance did not cover outpatient, but the doctor believed anyway that I had, I was in such a severe state that I should be inpatient and should complete more therapy. And so, you know, as far as progress goes, they really, as far as I could tell, there was no telling when you would feel any sort of relief. Every day I would wake up and just get higher and higher on that pain scale and just like climbing and reaching this, this level of discomfort that I never knew was possible and that I would be able to manage. And one day at about the two week mark in the program, I woke up and I had no pain. And keep in mind, this was you know, it was almost really difficult for me to describe because for as long as I could remember, I had been in pain as a child. You know, I can't remember past five or six, you know, it was always something going on with me. And so I had woken up and gone about my day. And for the first time, I'm realizing that my back isn't twinging. 
my knees aren't giving out on me. My skin isn't burning. And, you know, and I don't, I don't know how they can track that, you know, because every day prior to that, I was like, I am at the worst point in my life. Like I have never felt worse. And then I wake up and I'm, I'm better than I've ever been before. And so, you know, it's different for everybody. Some people need the full six weeks. I was very fortunate in that at that two week mark, I think at about two and a half weeks, I was released after that because I, I didn't, I didn't need to go through it anymore. And it was also incredibly mentally taxing. So, you know, I was at the point where the point where I'm begging, I'm like, please, like, I'm feeling so much better. Can I leave? I'm, I'm a kid in high school. You know, I'm 16 years old going through this program. I'm missing school. Um, you know, my prom was coming up. I just like, I want to get out there. I'm feeling the greatest that I've felt ever. <laughs> like, let me go, you wow. know, but if, it's different for everybody. Everybody has their own journey with it. And it's got about a 95% success rate. But again, being one of the oldest, we're learning how it can come back and how it can change over time and how it can impact you later down the road. That is fascinating. Uh, Crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine, Alex, uh, the life that you've lived from six to 16 with so much pain every day. And so tell us why why you became an advocate for people with these invisible. I, I can't even imagine how people might have thought that you were whining or complaining and trying to get out of things like teachers, maybe and oh, friends. Yeah. <laughs> like you must uh, like, how did this impact your, your social circle even? Yeah. I think that was way more than half the battle was the interactions with other people. And so that was really where my desire to help others stemmed from because you know, it was difficult enough to get a diagnosis and to come to reconciliation that my body is against me. You know, I'm not feeling the right way and doctors can't, can't help me, but there was always an obstacle, whether it be the doctors themselves telling me that they didn't believe my pain or that I was lying about my pain, which to this day, I cannot understand how you could tell a child who simply wants to hang out, have fun, spend time with their friends, do what they want to do, that they're lying. (laughs) I would love to get back to my, you know, whatever it is I do, going for a walk, just enjoying my life. So still baffled by that one. But um, in addition to, you know, teachers, when I share that, that I'm out of school all the time, because I'm going to all these doctor's appointments, sometimes I can't get up in the morning. They, they don't believe what's going on either. And that stems from not having a doctor's note. Doctors can't tell me what to tell my teachers. I can't share that with administrators or, or guidance counselors or teachers. And of course, kids don't understand that, that someone is going through something, that someone is different and they can't participate in the same activities and that they're not going to be at school all the time. And so it was certainly obstacles from all different sides. And there were many points in time as a child that I'm like, you know what? I, I just, I don't want to share this. I don't want to say anything. I want to hold on to this, do what I need to do with the doctors and maybe try to find a diagnosis and a treatment. But I was just really, I didn't want to open up to other people because I had seen the result of those around me and, and the ridicule and the bullying that I had received, not only from children, but very much so from teachers and other adults. That must've been so challenging. I I can't even begin to understand, comprehend, or believe that the way that you were treated, 
I, I'm just dumbfounded, really. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I still struggle. And again, and I, and unfortunately I still hear those stories and that's why I'm out here because I've tried to find my voice and the way, the ways that work for me. And I want to try to share that with other people. So they don't have to spend a decade trying to find treatment. You know, this is still, this is a condition and my other conditions are still very much. So part of my daily life that I, that I still need to share with other people. And so if I feel as though I've figured something out, why not try to share that with others who are likely in a similar situation? Because I've really haven't seen any, any improvements in the environments that I, that I grew up in and how they've changed over time. Wow. Now your book, do you go into explaining like this whole process of how you fig- figured out what was going on with you and the steps that you took to yeah. help heal yourself? Yep. That's, that's chapter one and diving into, you know, the process with doctors. I, you know, it's sort of a combination of a nonfiction self-help and memoir in which I kind of have to tell you my story and my journey because it was not linear. Every chapter sort of has a lesson because I didn't learn this, you know, as I, as I grew up, there are many of the lessons that I, that I do share I've learned in, in the past couple of years, or I've learned from seeing my mom, she was my greatest advocate in every setting and sort of taking that and being like, okay, how do I take her voice and use that, you know, for me, because she's not around anymore. She's not talking to my professors, you know, saying like this or or my employers saying like, this is Alex, this is what she's, she's dealing with. This is, these are the accommodations that she needs. And so, yeah, so it's, it's not a linear process and that story is very much so necessary. And so I think there are points in time where I'm sharing tactical advice in take notes, bring someone with you, like write things down, follow up with your doctors, read the documentation that is passed to you at the end of your appointment. You never know what's included in there to, you know, just having that other person try to explain their experience. It's also, I think, very helpful for others my age, a little bit younger, a little bit older to read about this experience because with what's unique to invisible disabilities is that this isn't something that you can see. You can look around at other people and if they don't share that they're going through something or that they're having a difficult time or they're kind of in a health crisis, you have no idea and you think that that you're alone. And so beyond the tactical advice is absolutely just this aspect through my personal story and these interviews with other kids my age, a bit older and a bit younger about what they're going through and what they're trying to figure out. Because I know that my advice is not the end all be all. There are going to be many others before and after me who can share what worked for them. But sometimes having that company is just as helpful as the advice. Now, where, where would you suggest people look for help? Like, is there a a website? Is there a Facebook support page. Uh, yeah, there, yeah, there's things out there. It's, yeah. it's, it's tough to find. And again, that's part of the inspiration to, to create something for this. Um, so certainly what I've found through my research is a number of Facebook support groups. I didn't even think to research AMP support groups until I even started the book because I had been so used to growing up being on my own, not really seeing any other people like you know, it was company of me, like, you know, I'd, I'd gotten pretty used to not having others to, to commiserate with and to really form that, that empathetic understanding. But at the start of my research for the book, I found this group and I was able to join it. And not only was it great for research purposes, but I was like, 
wow, I have this place that I can go to that I can, I can ask questions and, and share like, is anyone else going through this? Like raise of hands, anybody else, you know, have you experienced this? And so even if you're not, even if people aren't able to find something or a group that is specific to their condition, even just having people once again, who their lives are disrupted and they're going through this daily process of like, my body has turned against me. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing and how I can carry on with my life. That's something that I found through these Facebook support groups. Instagram is an incredible resource. There are so many accounts where people will just show you their lives with a disability and what they do every day and kind of how they manage. Maybe they share advice or their personal stories. And once again, that company is so important. And so more than anything else, it hasn't been that tactical advice and like, how do we change healthcare systems? How do we change school systems? How do we change societies and how they see disabilities? It's really bringing that community together first, because in, in the meantime, you think that you're alone and that you're the only one going through this. And so it's an incredibly unique and personal journey for people to find their own resources, but it's unique to you and to your experiences and what works for you. But social media has been an incredible resource, again, in building that community. Hmm. And what, um, what symptoms um, set your condition aside from, let's say, almost anything else? Like what would be the one or two yeah. or three symptoms that really <laughs> stand out? Like, because there might be people listening right now that have a child that they don't know what is going on, or maybe yeah. it's themselves and maybe they're older listening and they've got all these aches and pains. Like mm -hmm. what are these, the things that's the signs and symptoms that set amps apart from other disabilities or issues? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, it is a condition for chronic pain, you know, and that is, that is attributed to so many others, but something that, you know, what's been noticeable for me and for my doctors has been that random onset of pain that I am sitting on my bed, I'm sitting in a chair, I'm taking a walk and I just feel like a stab, an ache, like any, like a punch or anything. There's so many like, like descriptor words that I've had to come up with to describe the many types of pain that you feel. And if you're recognizing that this pain is coming out of nowhere, that there is nothing happening to relieve it, that there, that you can't, even take medicine that ibuprofen or acetaminophen isn't really working for you. And also in addition, you know, part of the mystery of, for my diagnosis was that this showed up nowhere, like no MRIs, no x-rays, no blood work, no nothing could show that I was experiencing this. It was really through rheumatology. And so you have to rule a lot of other conditions out before they start considering amps. But when you finally get to that point where you can think of nothing else, it, it, it almost seems like an umbrella term of like chronic pain, amplified musculoskeletal pain syndrome. It, it really covers everything. I have those, I have friends who they only feel pain in certain regions of their body. Some feel full body pain, such as myself. Um, but again, those hallmarks of nothing is, nothing is helping the pain, random onset, it's not being picked up on tests. That's your indication. You might wanna go to a rheumatologist you know, and, and especially if that pain worsens over time and starts to spread throughout your body, I think is pretty, is pretty unique to it, especially if you don't have an injury or any sort of onset, it's pretty telling. But again, it's, it's an arduous process of ruling a lot of other things out before you finally get to this conversation of, could it be this? 
Right. Cause I mean, I wonder how many doctors actually know what amps it is. It, I've met a couple <laughs> over time. They're like, Oh, I think I've heard of this. And I'm like, that's, that's great. That's good. You know, like, let me, let me tell you more, especially pediatricians um, in knowing about that. But again, as I mentioned before, of like, I'm kind of out of the jurisdiction of, of the pediatric doctors who deal with this. And so I'm trying to share wherever I can. And even in my health history and what's listed, if doctors don't mention, you know, they can mention the list of other conditions or other like surgeries or anything that I've gone through. But if AMPS isn't on that list, I want to make it a point to share of like, hey, there are others out there. This isn't so rare as you think. Uh, every day there are new people joining that support group that I'm part of that are like, my daughter, my son was just diagnosed. What do we do? This, this is getting pretty common, you know, enough to, to be able to know about it and to recognize it, especially since there is a treatment program for it. It's intervention early on while you're still a child and they can still treat you is so important. Right. And, and so what advice would you give to people? Um, like if they think they may have this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, first of all is to validate your experiences. I think more than anything else, I went through a lot of periods of doubt in which I kind of looked at myself and said, am I really feeling that bad? Is it really so bad that I can't go to school, that I can't play with my friends, that I can't do my homework, whatever it could be, or just live my life? Because I had many doctors, many teachers. Again, it's, it's really a lot of older people in my life, more so than just the kids around me, doubting and saying like, really? Like, I've never heard of that. Or are you sure you're not like just exaggerating? And I think that was so harmful because it was in those points in time when I doubted myself that I was like, is this worth pursuing? Should I bother trying to find, find out what this is and get to the bottom of this? Because I think I'm better off just holding it in and not telling, not telling anybody and not sharing it and just making this my problem. And that's really harmful. No one should do that, regardless of what you're going through. If it's yeah. a disability, an illness, whatever, if there's something wrong, do not doubt yourself because no one will be able to relate to your experiences and advocate for you like you can yourself. And so that self-confidence and that validation is so important because how you see yourself and your disabilities or your illnesses, whatever it could be, those aspects of your identity is going to be so obvious to the people around you. And if you don't have that voice for yourself and that advocacy for yourself, no one else is going to do that for you. True. Like, um, I, I can't imagine, like, um, I used to be a medic in the military. That's was my first profession. And when anybody came to me, I would ask them a ton of questions because I had to get to the root of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't solve the problem unless I had all of the questions answered. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it takes a, a really good doctor probably to ask a lot of questions and yeah. really get to the root of it and then refer you out to other people, other specialists. Right. Because, I mean, I, and I think that if you didn't like the answer to what your doctor told you, get a second opinion because yes. not all doctors are created equal. I'm sure you figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. If that's what I've learned, if that's the one thing I've learned, it's that. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to seek out that second opinion, you know, to feel as though you've received the care that you think that you need. I mean, it, it makes the process that much longer, but if you're going to get something that works for you and is actually going to work or to kind of get to the bottom of this, it's necessary. 
Now you look like you're very healthy, Alex. Uh, do you follow any kind of special nutrition program with, with AMPS? Not, uh, not particularly. I mean, I am a college student, you know, I'm not, not known to have the greatest of diets, you know, just trying to get through the semester and everything, but healthy eating is, is very important and exercise, especially now that I've been released from the program, the number one takeaway was don't stop moving. You need to keep moving. And I could absolutely feel that, you know, I, in days where I, might be stationary for like long periods of time. I know right now I'm in the middle of finals. So I am pretty just like sitting down all the time and I can feel it. And so it's that sort of like barrier to entry into exercise of like, I start exercising again and I'm hurting, you know, and, and it's a little bit difficult to differentiate like what is normal, what is, you know, what's, what are other people supposedly feeling when they're right. exercising and what's AMPS. And so exercise consistently is so important on that basis so that you don't lose your progress. It's important in anybody's life, but similarly with fibromyalgia, if you ever hear about, you know, the, the commercials for medicine, they say with diet and exercise, that is the key word. That's so important. And especially since, uh, AMPS does not have any medication approved for it. You know, you're not, it's not really recommended that you take ibuprofen and any sort of painkillers, those natural interventions in a way for exercise and diet and taking care of your body now that you've reprogrammed yourself are very important. It's really, it's how you get through the rest of life, hopefully without anything coming back or flaring up again. Well, Alex, I'm going to say this again. I said it to you before we started the podcast, you are one well put together young woman, like, man, I, I can't believe what you've experienced, what you've went through, what you've come through and what you're going to share with other people to help them. I'm, I'm so excited for you and your book. Now, why don't you tell the audience how people can get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. So the book is actually coming out this week. So exciting. Oh, I wow. know it's busier than ever finals in a book, you know, I, there's no better time than the present, I guess. Very and so, very yeah, thank you. I'm very <laughs> excited for it. And so right now, the best way to find me and to kind of stay in touch and stay up to date is through my Instagram. And that's Alexandra Gio underscore author. And there I'm posting updates. I'm sharing little tidbits about the book, but that's really, that's going to be the vessel throughout my activism journey in which I'm able to reach other people. And so as I'm developing my website, publishing the book, you know, this is just the beginning. So I'd absolutely recommend Instagram or, or Facebook under that same name uh, to find and, and stay up to date. And we will spell her name for the idiots out there like me who have a hard time with French. I just figured it out. <laughs> it will be in the show notes. So I, I appreciate you so much, Alex, for taking the time out of your busy schedule and doing this interview today. I really hope that we help somebody out there and your book sounds fascinating and I, I, you know, it's going to be up here in my mind. And if I come across somebody, I have dealt with people with uh, fibromyalgia in, in their older years. So this is very interesting to hear of somebody in their younger years uh, who's went through what you have. And I, I think it could be very helpful for, for somebody out there. So good for you and you. congratulations on your early success. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you again for like, you know, for listeners, for yourself, keep that in mind. You never know what someone is going through to, you know, be cognizant of others and just share that awareness. You know, it'll, it'll help everybody to help build support systems around those who need it and everything. So thank you. It's been a pleasure.
Excellent. Well, we're going to play the extra here so people know how to get a hold of uh, me and, and get a hold of the show notes here. Thanks for listening to A Healthier You, Little by Little. Do you have a question about something you heard today? An idea for a topic, perhaps? Or would you like to reach out to Cindy? Send her an email, coachcindylittle at gmail.com or visit her website at healthtowealth.ca. That's health2wealth.ca. Or you can find Cindy on LinkedIn or Facebook as Cindy Little. Once again, thanks for listening.